0: Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. Good morning, everyone. Good morning to everyone at Philly Tab. Come on, CT. Let's welcome our family. Across the state lines. We are one church in two cities. And we praise God for all of our online family members. It is a slightly chilly day in Chicago. And for sure, anyone that's here, hasn't it been a powerful time in the presence of the Lord here? Come on, put your hands together. Amen. It's worth it to press through. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And this is the second week of our fast. And I can't tell you how um, excited I am. I kinda wanna fast the whole year because there's something so precious about feeling really close to the Lord, amen? Something so good and so wonderful about being near to God. There's nothing better than being near to Jesus. We're continuing on our series titled Heavenly Rewards. And it's in this passage of Scripture where Jesus says three times, then... Your father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. Three times, over and over and over again, he says, Then your father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. A reward is something given in recognition of one's service or effort or achievement. I'm telling you right now, anytime any human being on the planet makes the effort... To reach to God there's a blessing found in that how many would say amen hallelujah hallelujah and so today Jesus is guiding us into the second practice which secures heavenly rewards how many want some heavenly rewards in 2024 We're believing God for greater things, for higher things. We're setting our sights on the higher things and the eternal things, amen? And so in this second practice, Jesus now is leading us to something that is vitally important. It's almost like breathing for a Christian. I would describe today's message A message that's teaching you how to breathe. I just uh, um, listened to this uh, audible book on breathing. You would not believe how much there is to learn about how we breathe. And this is like breathing. So here we go, Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, beginning with verse 5. It says, and when you pray. Now remember... I said this last week, I'll say it next week. Jesus is presuming that this is something that you will naturally and consistently do. This is not something rare. This is an all-the-time kind of thing. Fasting is something that we should do on a consistent basis as we're led by the Holy Spirit And praying is something that we should do, the Bible says, without ceasing. So what we're talking about right now means that, listen closely to this, what we're talking about right now means that even throughout the day, when you're concentrating at work, when you're talking to people, when you're fulfilling your stewardships, your responsibilities, there's a part of your heart that can be tuned into God, and you literally can be praying. You can say, God, help me with this decision. God, help me to listen to this person. God, help me with this response. When you pray is an all-day thing, just like breathing is an all-day thing. Now, this is a very interesting passage of Scripture because he's going to tell us some things of what not to do and what to do. Part of wisdom in life is knowing what not to do, and then part of wisdom in life is knowing what to do. So it says, And when you pray, do not pray like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Now what is Jesus saying here? Jesus is saying that there is a hypocrisy to our faith if it doesn't come from a heart that wants to please God. In other words, uh, um, it's possible to say, well, we go to church because it's what you're supposed to do and it looks right. And it's just kind of what you do. There's a hypocrisy to that if it doesn't mean that when you come to church or when you're at home, your relationship with God is a heart-to-heart thing. How many would say amen? It's not about being seen, okay? It's about connecting with your father who's actually unseen. So it says, but when you pray... So let me just say one more thing about that. So it means that if you have a faith that is more seen in public than in private, there's something very shallow about that. And so Christianity is a personal one-on-one, heart connection with God kind of faith. There's no wonder that, by, that the Bible talks about how the church is the bride of Christ, We're supposed to love Jesus the way a bride loves the groom. It's that intimate, that deep. Amen? Now it says, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. Again, let me highlight the fact that, you know, we say at this church over and over again, privately healthy, okay? So it is impossible to be privately healthy without having a private relationship with Jesus. That's what this is talking about. There is a place, a private place between you and God that can be rich Powerful and strong and amazing, and it shapes and impacts everything about your life. That's what God invites each and in. Look, in Philadelphia, no matter what you're going through, no matter how crazy your life is on the outside, there is a place every day for you and Jesus. He's just waiting for you. How many are thankful that He's waiting for us to come to meet with Him? Amen. So then it says, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for the Father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Let me stop here and make a little comment about this. See, um, the more people pray, in a sense... The the greater their faith, the more eloquent a lot of times, the more fluid they become. And sometimes you hear someone who prays a lot, and you might say, well, I don't want to pray because I can't pray like them, as that doesn't matter. Okay? It's not about the amount of words. It's about the heart with which you reach to God. But on the flip side, we'll talk about this in a moment, on the flip side... People who pray, they pray for a while. Okay, and you're gonna, we're going to address that in, in today's text. But it's not about flowery words. It's about the force of faith flowing through your spirit to God. Okay, there is a force of faith that can get you to the place where you are interceding and pleading The priesthood of the believer. Everyone say priesthood of the believer. If you are a believer, you are a priest in the kingdom of God. And so um, in the beginning, this is not expected, but growing in God means that you get to the place that you start to intercede for other people. And whenever you pray for someone else, it's almost like you are a bit on a war footing, And you're trying to push through and break through on their behalf because they have things that are coming against them. They have things that they're struggling with. They have things that they're battling with. And how many are grateful for someone who stands in the gap and really fights for you when you need it? How many would say amen? And so Jesus is covering so much, but notice he's making sure that we avoid the shallow and that we stay in the deep waters with him. You see, it's not, it's not for show. It's not for how you sound. It's for the force and the strength of your heart. And then it says, This then how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. And I'm going to pause. Okay, I'll explain to you why. Now, Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Two different sections to the Lord's Prayer that we're going to be going over today. The title of the message today is Prayer's Reward. And I want to say this. Prayer is all about talking to God. That's what prayer is. Prayer is all about talking to God. And to not pray is to not believe. If you believe, you pray. How do you know if you're in a state of unbelief? You're not praying. In fact, a lot of times when we get overwhelmed by discouragement and hardship, and a lot of times when we start to backslide as believers, one of the things that you will notice is that you're not reading and you're not praying. Because to pray is to believe, and to believe is to pray. Prayer is simply talking to God. And look, somewhere, I'll never forget when when I started to hear people, this started about maybe, I don't know, maybe like 15, 20 years ago. Some people say, well, I don't have the gift to pray. And I was like, that's really ridiculous. That's like saying, I don't have the gift to breathe. Okay? And if you can't breathe, then then you're sick. Right? Right? To say I don't have the gift to pray is not understanding. To be born and raised in America is to speak English, right? Like my, my parents came from Cuba, they didn't speak English, but I was born and raised here, so guess what? I speak English, right? To be born again is to pray, <laughs> it's to talk to God. Somebody say amen. And so I wanna, I wanna, um, I want to pray right now and and then we're going to walk through this very, very personal, very, very intimate, individual message. Listen in Philadelphia. This message is about you and Jesus all day long. This message goes past what your situations and circumstances are, even though this will specifically deal with all of those, okay? But this is about your relationship with Jesus. The quality, the substance of your walk with God is built on the word and prayer. So come on, let's lift our hands right now, especially the men Because the Bible says, let men everywhere lift up holy hands. So come on, brothers, lift your hands. And let's pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this wonderful day, Lord. This is the day that you have made, Lord. And God, we're so excited to be in your presence and in your house. And we thank you for all of our brothers and sisters in Philadelphia. We thank you for everyone here. We thank you for everyone watching online. And God, you're so big, you're so great, you're so powerful. And God, you're so kind and loving that you hear the prayers of your people. Our prayers are like incense that rise before you, oh God. And every time we pray, you listen, oh God. So teach us to pray. We pray like the disciples did. Teach us to pray, oh God. So the act of prayer, oh God, make it a a natural, normal part of every life. And we thank you for all of the incredible rewards that will flow as a result of our prayer life, our talking to you. Bless this word in the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. amen and amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, before we actually, I'm going to focus on the Lord's Prayer, but before we break that down, I want to say that um, I grew up learning that the Lord's Prayer was to be recited. And a lot of people think that praying means that you say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because of the school I went to, I learned this. Right? Give us a day our daily break. I could say it really, really fast. Okay? And um, and it's wonderful, always wonderful, to recite the word of God. But Jesus did not give us the Lord's Prayer so that we could just recite it and then we could call that prayer. So if you were taught that praying means that you recite the Lord's Prayer, um, A little yes, a lot no. The purpose of the Lord's Prayer is so that we could understand what our focus ought to be when we pray. Okay, and so remember, it's good to recite the Lord's Prayer, no problem, but your prayer life should be exceedingly greater than just that. You know, like, look, I remember being a kid and um, we would go to these national tournaments, and um, and uh, I don't even know if any of us were a Christian. But when a national championship is on the line, everybody starts to pray. <laughs> so, you know, when we got to the playoffs, all of a sudden, we're saying, Our Father, before we get up to hit and all this kind of stuff, before the game starts, and it's funny because you see, you see these specials and people are praying. And look, that's wonderful that I'm sure God is pleased that we said the Our Father. But I think he was more focused on, on our hearts and our relationship with him, right? So how do I, how, how, well, how do you prove that? That's in the Bible. Well, all you have to do is listen to the way Jesus prayed. Okay, I'm going to read a couple to you, then I'm going to put a few up. Matthew 11, he said, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, I thank you because you have shown to the unlearned what you have hidden from the wise and learned. Yes, Father, this is how you were pleased to have it happen. Notice conversation. Okay, when he was raising Lazarus, he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. Notice the conversation. Prayer is talking to God. Okay? Prayer is not about sometimes, you know, the great words, Oh, great, magnificent, heavenly, majestic, mighty king. (laughs) Okay? It's like sometimes I go to these events and people write out their prayers because I don't know why they write out their prayers. Okay? But they write out their prayers. I'm not being critical. But it, there's something about it that troubles me because if you're a Christian, you should be able to talk to your heavenly Father who is unseen. That's what Jesus did. But let me put a few up when, he, when, the, when it was intense for him, right? Luke 23, 34, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Listen to the directness of the conversation between Jesus and the Father. How do you talk to him? Just talk to him. Tell him, like Jesus did, I can't carry this. I need you to help me this, or this is what's going on. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. You will find the elements of the Lord's prayer in Jesus talking to the Father. You see? About three in the afternoon, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Father, Jesus called out in a loud voice. Some people say they don't pray out loud. Can I tell you something? If you think, some, someone said, well, God's not deaf. Well, let me tell you something about Jesus' prayer life. Okay, the Bible says, during his days on the earth, Jesus offered up loud cries and tears depends on what it is depends on what you're dealing with depends on what the what the issue is if you're saying grace you don't have to say god bless this food but if your son is in trouble you might have to cry out to god and say save my son lord that's real christianity That's the way it goes. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And that's why altars are powerful. That's why altars are places where we pour out our heart to God and we cry and and we give it all to him. And so remember, Jesus just talked to the Father. Are you talking to the Father? Did you talk to the Father this week? Do you realize that you have a heavenly Father? He's unseen, but you have a Father in heaven. Did you talk to the Father? Are you talking to the Father throughout the day? In Philadelphia, are you talking to the Father? You could be a teenager, and you could be talking to the Father. It's an incredible... We were in the office, and and Shelly was was telling how, how old is joshua he, her four-year-old is already telling her mommy jesus is talking to me okay and you might say well he's just a little child no unless you become like a little child you won't see the kingdom of heaven did you hear that you hear these kids testifying Okay, we have to become like little kids, which I'm going to point out in, a, in just a few moments. I was so blessed. Can I tell you something? I, I uh, um, ran into the lobby right during announcements. I looked in on the kids, and when I looked in on the kids, the kids had their hands raised, and they were seeking God. How many praise God for a ministry that teaches our kids to be God-seekers? So this is all about talking to the Father. And the Lord's Prayer focused, first of all, on devotion. Real prayer, the prayer that Jesus taught, the Lord's Prayer, was all about, firstly, it was about devotion. And devotion is worship. Everybody say worship. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Notice, none of those things are about us. All of those things are about him. When you start to pray, begin with devotion. Begin with, Lord, I love you. I worship you. I honor you. Hallowed be your name. May your name be holy. How many believe we should say, may your name be holy every time we approach him? May you be glorified. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Jesus is the only one who's worthy of our worship, and he's the only one who rewards our worship. When you start to pray, the way to pray is to start by making it about him. (laughs) And you know, it's interesting because as a pastor, I mean, this burns in my heart as in the same way it burns in my heart for my grandkids. You know, this burns in my heart for you if you're watching online. Okay, this is one of the, this is like when you're thinking about the quality of spiritual life that you live. That's what's most important to us because I know that's what's most important to God. Right? So one of the biggest burdens and a lot of times I will I'll be praying by myself in my my house and I'm like, God if there was one thing that I could somehow transfer to the people it would be that they would learn how to deeply connect with you in private. If you can just deeply connect with God in private, you have everything. You understand? Everything. If you grew up thinking that Christianity is about some kind of religion where you do this and you do that and you do this and you go to church, that's not Christianity. Christianity. Christianity is about every moment that you reach with your heart to the Lord. But it begins with devotion. Everybody say devotion. Devotion Devotion is such a big deal. Because devotion is where you actually attach to God. Okay? We attach in private. And then we experience his flow in public. But devotion is where you really attach and connect to God. And without devotion, see, some people don't realize this, but they can go a long time in life. Okay, and they could read the Bible and they can go to church, but they leave out devotion. How do you know that you're leaving out devotion? You leave out devotion when there's not this great expression of love and worship, okay? So if it's like strange to you to say, I love you, Lord, like oil upon your feet, like wine for you to drink, like water from my heart, I pour my love on you if praise is like perfume till every drop is gone. You know, I was thinking about this this week. I've noticed over the years that some people, when they get into these extreme circumstances, these crises, I've noticed that even people who are typically cold to God, they can open up and cry out to God. And when they cry out to God, when they, when they really reach out from desperation they experience the presence of God and and the goodness of God in such deep and profound ways. You know, it's like they're like, oh my goodness, God met me, God delivered me. But then when the crisis leaves, then that desperation leaves. And when the desperation leaves, then their relationship with God goes back to this very, very distant thing. And listen, I... I want to say this. I'm going to skip some of the slides uh, here and, and just say this. What is sporadically incited by our desperation should be typically incited by our devotion. So instead of having those encounters with God when we're so desperate and we cry out to God and then God comes and he manifests himself and we experience a miracle and then we go back to business as usual, actually what should draw the presence of God like that should be your actual devotion. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, look, I, I grew up, one of the ways that I became a Christian was through Lord of the Rings. I never heard the gospel, but I read... I read the Lord of the Rings when I was about 15 years old. And it's funny. It's funny what the Lord uses. And there was a guy in my neighborhood, and he carried a knife this big, and he was a total pothead. I mean, this dude smoked more weed than I I just... I mean, smoke was coming out of his ears all day long. But anyway, he saw me reading Lord of the Rings once, and he said, you know, that book is about Jesus, and I was like, dude, don't you dare say Jesus, okay, like, and he was like, yeah, you know, and it's a, it's a return of the king. kings about the second coming of Christ, and all that, and on and on, and uh, I mean, I became a Lord of the Rings fanatic, Uh, when I was a kid and then when I got saved I can't even tell you how much more I loved it you know the ring symbolizes don't put sin on you never can handle it and uh, so anyway um, I think Chris forgive me for the long meandering but um, Chris and I probably go to a movie like once every three years like I don't even remember the last time we went it's not a pastime of ours right but when the Lord of the Rings came out whenever I dragged the whole family there every single one I was just waiting it was on the calendar and um and it's it just this is such a trip because in the third one when the whole battle is over there's a scene in the movie they do it really really well where they're going to heaven the battle's done Sin and death is conquered. The the ring which represents sin is destroyed. And so they're going off to heaven. They depict it in such a beautiful way. And um, and whenever Christy and I watch this, she's like, my wife is having like a praise service, she's like speaking in tongues, she's like, like, there's all kinds of things going on during the the, the return of the king. I'm like, get ready, right? And just we watched it not too long ago. And at the end, during that scene, when they're going off to heaven, we're watching it. And uh, and all of a sudden, Chrissy puts her head on the table. And she's like crying, like so longing for heaven. Hallelujah. I mean, so hungry to be there with him. And so like, like it was so deep you know, that she was just like, man, Jesus, I can't wait for that day. Why would someone say, I can't wait for that day? It's because even in the midst of this very, very hard life, you can be close enough to God that there's a faith, there's a hope, there's a joy inside of you that says, yes, there's trouble all around us, but there is a day where he's coming back for me. Hallelujah, Jesus. There'll be no more tears and no more sorrows and and no more struggles and no more bills and no more cancer and no more hardship. That's the kingdom that we belong to. And that's the Lord that we serve. And so let me say this. Who do you learn from? When it comes to worship, I think that we should learn from the angels. That's what I think. I think we should learn from the angels. I want to read a couple verses to you. Listen to this. In the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6 says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. These are special angelic beings. It says, with two, they cover their faces. With two, they cover their feet. With They were flying and they were calling to one another. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. What are the angels doing? How do the angels worship God? The angels say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. You are holy, you are holy. From everywhere, you are worthy to be praised. Somebody put your hands together with me. Lift your voice. You are worthy, oh God. Hallelujah. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Heaven and earth are filled with your glory, oh God. You're holy, Lord. The angels, all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and they worshiped God. Devotion is worship. Devotion means that you bow down your heart to His greatness. Our Father who art in heaven, I have a Father. My Father is in heaven. He's great, He's holy. He That's not fanatical. Okay? That's not fanatical. It's just true. That's not fanatical. Please, teach your children the difference between worship and devotion and fanaticism. We have an obligation to teach our sons and daughters with words and with our examples. Okay? There right now is more celebrity worship, influencer worship, political worship, all of these different times, types of worship. People give more attention, people give more props, and more praise to people in this world who will never ever even be able to reward us but Jesus is worthy of the worship and Jesus promises to, worship, to reward us if we'll just be devoted to him Devo- so your devotion doesn't have to say exactly our father but it always says father it doesn't have to say hallowed be thy name, but it always says you're holy God. When I don't understand why things are happening in my life and I wish it was different, I can still say you do all things well because you're holy. Let your will be done. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Very, very different. But listen, I want to read this to you. This was uh, from a, uh, a psychologist. This was written a few years ago, but I think very, very important. This, this, uh, they were talking about celebrity worship and the American mind. Listen, for impressionable young people, celebrity worship syndrome has resulted in symptoms of depression and anxiety lower levels of critical thinking and cognitive abilities, impaired social skills, and cognitive abilities, impaired social skills, maladaptive daydreaming that interferes with work. When our kids are worshiping the, 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 the garbage of this world, the nonsense of this world, they're not thinking, their brains, it's maladaptive daydreaming. And a big reason is, is that we have to set the example for them. We have to put in, this is, we're worshiping a God who's invisible. It's another world. And we have to show them that you can reach that other world. Could somebody say amen? Maladaptive daydreaming that interferes with work, school, or relationships. Desire for fame, which is often linked with a lack of self-acceptance. Compulsive buying and materialism. Difficulties with romantic relationships. Why? Because when you worship the wrong things, it messes you up inside. But when you worship the Lord, it puts Him in His right place and it sets everything inside of you right. He's holy He's worthy. Last thing I'll say, Oswald Chambers said this, Christianity is not devotion to work or to a cause or a doctrine, but devotion to a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. Could we put our hands together for Jesus? Come on. Come on, we could do better than that. Could we just, could we raise our voices for a moment? Come on in Philadelphia. Come on, praise the Lord. He's worthy to be praised. Hallelujah, Jesus, we worship you. Bless you, bless you, bless you, Lord God. Oh, hail King Jesus. Oh, hail Emmanuel. Hallelujah to your name, oh God. Amen. 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 I have such a burden for, especially, all of the brothers. Brothers, break through to the other world, and you will break through in this life. Come on, somebody say amen to that. A powerful man is a man who expresses his devotion to God. Hallelujah. Secondly, secondly, our prayer should always express our dependence. Everybody say dependence. So it starts out with devotion, but then it moves towards dependence. Watch this. Okay, give us today our daily bread, dependence on food. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors, dependence on God for forgiveness. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, defend, dependence on God for protection. Dependence is trusting, expecting, and leaning on God to meet all of your needs. What is dependence? Dependence. Okay, It's it's trusting, expecting, and leaning on God to meet all of your needs. So we talked about this a moment ago. On the planet, who are the most dependent people? Children. I heard someone say children. You know, going back to Shelly. So Shelly's my assistant. And uh, so sometimes I call her at home. She has three boys. One is a little man. He's like 15. But one is four. The other one's like two. Too, and uh, anytime I call Shelly, um, uh, usually there's like a a tornado of chaos in the background. The boys are yelling and screaming, and like you have no I have no idea what's going on there, but yo, it is it is they're going off, you know, and they're playing and they're shouting. They they I saw a video of them beating drums, uh, uh, singing. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff going on in that house and there, but it's so funny because in the midst of shouting and whoa, all of a sudden they stop and go, Mommy, 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 can you do this? Mommy, can you do this? And we're on the phone. She's like, hold on one second. I'm talking, mommy, I need this, mommy, I need this. What do children do? They ask, 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 ask. It's okay to be daddy, 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 I need this, daddy, 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 I need this. Never get too big. Never get too strong to, so that you can't go to God and say, Daddy, I need you. I need this, Lord. Because that is a privilege that is afforded to us for our whole entire life until we see him face to face. It's one of the most natural things. And I just want to touch on this and then we're going we're gonna to have a time of prayer. Three forms of practical dependence. First, he says, he says, "Give us today our daily bread," which speaks to provision in general. And let me let me say this: provision is broad. Provision is whatever you need. And as I was meditating on this, here's what I want to encourage you when it comes to your prayer life. Okay, when you talk to God, start with what you need before you go to what you want. Okay, that's a good time to say amen. I should have heard you in Philly. A lot of times we jump to what we want, but we ignore what we need. But when you really ask what you need, you're asking for different things. When you pray and you ask for what you need, it's, a, it's more honest, it's more realistic, it's less materialistic, it's deeper, it's stronger. Give us this day our daily bread, give me what I need, it is very, very different than give me what I want. And can I tell you something? you're going to find the overflow of the blessing of God into what you want is found in Him meeting what you actually need. I know that this might be a, a little complicated, but listen. When God gives you what you need, He's making you better, stronger, healthier. It's holistic in every way. Remember Give me this day what I need. By the way, when you have a clarity between what you need and what you want, right, you're more relaxed, you know, because sometimes we say, I need this, and we really don't need it. We just want it. So there's all of this angst that we're putting to God, like, uh, um. Man, Lord, why aren't you giving me what I need? And God is saying, because you don't need it. Okay? Let's just get it clear. So begin. Like today, I was like, Lord, there's so much to pray for. I just prayed for God's will for my life, my overall mission. You know, my own walk with God, my family, the, the church, the things of the kingdom. God. Give me what I need to fulfill the mission that you've placed on my life. Not what I want, but what I need. Amen? Family, career, relationship, favor. Then, again, practical dependence. Forgive us this day, right? Even as we forgive those who've... who've uh, 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 forgive us of our sins, as even as we forgive... Uh, Those who've sinned against us. Forgiveness starts between you and God, but forgiveness is also between you and others. I know I'm teaching a lot today, but that's what you got to do with today's text, okay? And so, look, forgiveness is a very important part of your everyday. For your own good, for your own well being. Okay, and look, it's, it's easy to ask God for forgiveness. Sometimes it's a lot harder to forgive people. But they, they go together. How many know they, they run together? How do you know you need to ask God uh, uh, to help you to forgive someone? Here's how you know. If you cycle in your mind about that person in the negative, then you need to pray, God, help me to forgive them because your mind should not be preoccupied with what they did or where they are or what they're doing. You just need to let it go. Everybody say, let it go in the name of Jesus. And when you pray, part of what you're doing is you're saying, God, forgive me, even as I forgive them. When you ask for forgiveness, you're depending upon God to be the judge instead of you being the judge. And here's the last thing, and we'll close. Go back and listen to the sermon. There's a lot of notes here today. The last thing it says, "And lead us not into temptation, and deliver us from evil." It's real interesting because true protection comes from God. You know, I laugh sometimes. Like you got to, you got to know where I grew up to understand. But. Like we have an alarm. And so at night, we set the alarm. And I laugh having an alarm because if we had an alarm in Brooklyn, it wouldn't matter. <laughs> you know? It's like when I think about, about protection, how many know without the angels in heaven watching over us, how many know we would be in big, big trouble? It's not about the security system. As important as those things are and they're very important. We said it every night, but I've just I'm just saying how many know we really need Jesus to be our protector? Anybody feel that way? Jesus, you're my protector. So the next time you do, 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 do. say Jesus protect me <laughs> and protect me even more than that. Deliver me from Evil in my mind, evil in my heart. Deliver me, Lord God, from temptation. God, you can protect me. One of the greatest works that the Lord does is the work of avoidance. So throughout the day, you could be heading towards trouble and the Holy Spirit could reroute you. You don't even know it, but because you pray, deliver me from evil. How many are looking forward to days like that?